Hallelujah. God is good. Hallelujah. There are four things that affect your life. Four things. Four things. Well, there are many things that affect your life, but I'm going to point four out real quick. Is that all right? All right. The first thing that will affect your life is your relationship with God. Your God view affects your worldview. That was good right there. Somebody should tweet that. Your God view affects your worldview. What is a worldview? The way, the lens in which you view the world through. Everybody is wearing a lens. Whether you know it or not, you have a concept of how the world works or don't. And um, that affects the way you carry your life out. And the way you view God and the way you, the relationship you have with him determines how you view the world. If you have a relationship with God, it'll affect how you view science. Come on, somebody. You'll study science and you'll see more proof that God exists if you know he, if you have a relationship with him. If you don't, you'll study it to prove he don't. Do you see that? The way you view God will affect the way you view relationships. You will, if you have a relationship with God, be someone who thinks it is honorable to get married. If you don't have a relationship with God, anything goes. Come on, somebody. And you say, well, pastor, that's drastic because people without a relationship with God can still have morality. But the truth is, where does your morality stand on? Because morality... Uh, what's right for you and right for me, we need a standard that, that is truth. And so if there's no standard truth, I could make up whatever's right to me. Who are you to tell me it's wrong? Majority rules? Well, if I kill the majority, they don't rule no more, do they? There's a rich man somewhere saying the majority don't rule. My money's actually doing a lot more than the... <laughs> Welcome back to Church City, y'all. Welcome back. Amen. And so your relationship with God will view the way you manage money. Your relationship with God will view, uh, will change your view on everything in life. So it is important for you, I believe, to have a relationship with the God of the Bible, not just any God. Because the God of the Bible is a God of love. He's a God that, that has a perspective on everything that matters in your life. He has a say on everything that concerns you. God is not just concerned alone when you have a big disease or when you have messed up horribly. God is concerned with everything that concerns you. Even the little things that bothers your life, God is concerned with. Amen. And here's the second thing that affects your life. Not just your relationship with God, but your relationship with people. The relationships that you are born in and the relationships that you choose, they affect your life. The ones that you're born in are the ones, are your parents, are your brothers and sisters. You didn't get to choose them. How many of you would like that? I would have liked that option. Don't laugh too hard. <laughs> Amen. Uh, uh, you didn't get to choose your parents. You didn't get to choose your brothers and sisters. You didn't get to choose your cousins. You didn't get to choose your uncles and aunts. That was God's uh, 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 choice, amen? And, and you were born into that. And the relationship you have with those people from the time you were born to the time you leave earth will affect your life. People think it doesn't. People say, well, you don't even understand. My father was never there. The absence of that father affects your life. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. The, 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 your, your relationship with your brothers and sisters, they affect your life tremendously, not just only at Thanksgiving and Christmas. They affect your life, the way people treat you, the things that have been spoken over you, the things that have been spoken into your life. If you spent uh, 20 years of your life growing up with a set of people, there's a lot of words that was exchanged back and forth between those people, and you can't tell me some of them didn't take root. Hallelujah. Some people are still trying to live to prove a mother wrong. Mom just trying to keep her sugar down. <laughs> she not even paying attention to you, but you still trying to prove the woman wrong. Come on, talk to me in this church. Hallelujah. 
you still trying to show a brother that he was wrong about you, that you're not stupid. You're not, sm not smart. Then, then there's the relationships that we choose. And so those of you who are mad at the family you have, what about the people you chose to let in your life? How much better were you? Oh, y'all ain't going to say nothing to me today, church city. Hallelujah. The friends you choose matter because you're giving people a lot of your life. And they're going to speak a whole lot into your life. And, and not just the friends you choose, the people you choose to get married to. Come on, church city. Y'all with me today or what? Uh, marriages affect your whole life. I've been married for 21 years. Come on, somebody. Oh, y'all better celebrate that in 2022. And God has been good. I am a better man because of the woman I chose. Hallelujah. Y'all don't believe me? It's like two claps at that point. They like, we don't know how good you... It's either y'all don't think I'm a better man after 20 years... I am. My life is much better because of the woman I have in my life. She prays for me. She talks to me when my mind goes to dark places and pulls me out of it and say, come back, pastor. Hallelujah. She loves the Lord Jesus. She takes care of the children. I help. I help. I help. She cooks. She cleans. She Let me stop. Go, go old school. Y'all be like, what's going on? Amen. But she's a good woman, and that relationship has blessed my life tremendously. It has helped me be a better financial person because she's in my life. Because when I was, when I was getting a lot of tickets and losing money and spending money, she said, well, this ain't going to go down no more. She changed my life. It was a good decision. Y'all ain't saying nothing to me. Your relationships with people, your relationship with God, your relationship with people. Amen. Here's another thing that will affect your life drastically, your health. Because if, <laughs> if the health ain't good, life ain't going nowhere. And these are things we don't pay attention to. We don't pay attention to our relationship with God the way we ought to. We don't pay attention to who I'm letting in my life and who I speak to every day. We sure don't. We pay more attention to our car and service our car more than we service our health. You make sure you get a regular oil change as soon as that maintenance lights go up. As soon as that, that air light go up, you go put air in the tire. But when it comes to exercise, 30 minutes a day, you still got 23 and a half left. That's too hard. Devil is a liar. We as believers are quick to point out so many sins except the one that says overeating and gluttony is a sin. I done lost the whole of Christianity there. Because we celebrate every event with gluttony and overeating. Your body can only take but so much. I was telling another young man this week, you, gotta, you, you know, I was encouraging him. You know, do the right thing because you can't go to auto parts and order a body part. You can do that for your car. But you can never replace the life you've got. Take care of your health. I know. Sound good till church is over. Go to every restaurant on Sunday. Guess who's in there? Go to a buffet, you see nothing but suits and ties with two plates. God is good. See you in a month for a miracle at the altar. Don't give God a reason to have to heal you. Come on, somebody. This is not the message y'all wanted to come back to, right? It's January, though. 
Usually this is the December message when we all messed up and jacked up. We like going into next year. You're like, yeah, but we need that. <laughs> all the resolutions done been broken in this room. <laughs> Out the door. The last thing that affects your life, and this is where I'm going to land at today, and for sure y'all ain't going to want to hear about this, is your money. <laughs> Why did I come to church today? Is he that type? Now, before you turn the camera off and before y'all tune me out, people always want the preacher to talk about healing, deliverance, coming out of your mindset, changing your life, the salvation that is available to you. God has a say over everything, but the God must never, ever talk about money. The, all, the other three things that I listed affects your life deeply, and we can preach sermons on those all day. We can preach about God and salvation all day. We can preach about love your neighbor as you love yourself, your relationships. We can preach about the Lord talking about, you know, your body is the temple of the Lord. But I want you to know that this thing affects your life as much as all those other things. Money determines the quality of life you're going to have. Which rapper was it that said, back in the days, they, they used to say when a rapper got rich and he left the hood, he was a sellout. Until one rapper came along, they said, you going to sell out? He said, man, let me tell you something. When I get money, all my library cards is going to turn into black cards and credit cards. He said, if money go, I'm leaving everything behind. And from then on, you know, people kind of switched up a little bit because... It makes no sense for you to, 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 to work for success. Somebody got this mindset and, and, and live in mediocrity. If I can get my kids a better school, I want my kids in a better school. Now, I want the hood to change, but I realize that if I have no money or influence in the neighborhood, how can I change my own neighborhood? You, you know, if, if I wait for the protest of money to come into the hood. I know y'all don't like me when I remind y'all that none of the protest money ever reached the hood. But they raise billions. I know y'all don't like me at all when I say this stuff. But I like me. Do you like me? Because I like me. God likes me. You don't like me? Thank you, Sister Mary, to the Mary. It don't ever reach the hood. You need people with the heart that is in the community to, to gain wealth so that they can come back to the community and do what's right in it. I don't want to have to live a life where I'm constantly moving out of the demographic that I was born in to find better. I would like one day... For people not to speak of the places I was born as poverty stricken and neighborhoods that produces nothing but terrible, but neighborhoods that can rise. Come on, somebody. And so money affects the quality of life you have. Money, money affects the influence you have in life. Churches all over the world, places all over the world allow people a microphone not because they have any sense, but because they have money. We'll allow the, the people who, who have no sense in our life to talk to us. People who got millions of Twitter followers, sometimes I say, this not right, Lord. This can't be right. With some of the stuff they say. Why? Because they have money. Money brings influence. And I could go on and on and talk about that, but it affects your daily life. When you can't pay your bills, the marriage hurt. Husband come home and talk about, babe, God's in control. I know, but you not. <laughs> oh, money makes the communication go bad. Money makes the house cold. Y'all ain't going to say nothing to me. When people got money, they move different. They hallelujahs a little extra. They come to truth. 
stimulus check hit. What's wrong with you? You don't love God. Oh, you must got money this week. Then when they broke, you know the Lord, you know the Lord really likes poverty better than he likes money anyway. The Lord, I'm suffering for the gospel. No, you are suffering because you don't know how to handle money. And today what I want to talk to you about is, as you prepare for this next year, watch those four things. And I'm just going to touch on finances for a little bit, and I'm going to let you go. Is that all right? Is that all right? Here's something I wrote down a long time ago, and I want you to think about this. Saving is putting off for tomorrow. Debt is always living in the past. Saving is putting off for tomorrow. Saving is, is you securing your future. Now, we understand that money can't buy health. That's why you got to take care of that. Amen. Amen. A lot of people are chasing money and forgetting their health. When you finally get the money, you're going to be spending on not what you thought. Amen. Saving is putting off for tomorrow. Saving is making sure my kids, once I'm gone, is all right. Saving is making sure that the things I want to do in my life and the influences I want, the, the communities I want to change, I have something to change it. You know how many people come up to me and say, Pastor, as soon as I get that money, we're going to get that building. And I feel the heart. You know how many people come to me and say, Pastor, if I only had the resources, and they list all of the good things they want to do. And so the constant thing between all these people when they come to me is they have a desire to do good. They just never have the resources. And so imagine if you had the resources to do the good you want to do. I encourage you to do this. Don't wait until you get all the resources you think you need to do good. Start doing good at the level you're at with the resources you're at. The Bible says this, that God gives seed to the sower. And so if you learn to do good with your resources at a small level, when you're faithful in the small, God will increase you to big. I ain't got no church today. Hallelujah. Watch this, y'all. Debt is always living in the past. And for the majority of Americans, we are living in the past. We are still paying for stuff we bought in college. We're still paying for college. You like 20 years moved from college and you're still paying for it. And it's like, where the money they promised me with this degree? Some of you don't even work in the degree. You're like, I, I asked you, what did you get a degree? And you're like, I don't even remember, dog. I don't even know where that paper at. Nobody even asked for it. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. And so, so I'm, not, I'm not speaking against college. You know, make the best decision for your life. But what I am saying is debt is living in the past. And so many people can't, uh, has not bought a house yet because they're still paying these loans. Some people are paying for credit card. Credit card, boy, don't credit card make you feel like you... When I was young, I knew nothing about... Anyway, let me, I'm moving ahead of myself. Whatever debt you accumulate, you end up living in the past. In other words, every day you work is to pay for something that has already happened. You're working to, to secure your past, not your future. Amen, somebody. Tell somebody, pay it off. Hallelujah. Tell them, write a letter and tell them, Jesus paid it all. See if it worked. That was a joke, guys. Hallelujah. Four reasons we get into debt. Can I break it down real quick? Number one, we were never taught how money works. They don't teach you that in school. There is no class on money. All they tell you is go to school so you could make money. <laughs> and the one thing I'm going to school to make, they never teach me about. They never taught me how the stock market worked. Half of you got your education on the stock market from Robin Hood. And you bought a lot of Dodge coin. And you, you, 
That was the only time he was cripping crypto. <laughs> Come on, talk to me, Church City. Hallelujah. And you, you learned about stocks there. You never before knew about investments. We don't know about investments. We don't know where to put our money. We don't know, don't know about any retirement savings and stuff like that. We don't know, you know. A lot of us were never taught how money works. We were just told you get a job and you get money, you buy what you want. Nobody ever taught us this basic principle. Y'all know it. Here it comes. You can't spend more than you make. Hallelujah. And so we were never taught how money works. And so we just operate when we get it for the first time. You, you, you like, I remember when I was in college and they told me they're going to give me a $1,000 credit card. What they didn't tell me was that I was going to spend the next 10 years. I was like a little, going to say something bad about myself, but I'm, I'm blessed and highly favored. Hallelujah. I was going to say something about my blessed and highly favored self there. You know, pulling up to McDonald's and, and buying as a youngin For the whole squad. For the dude in the back who got, you know he got money. He'll never pay for himself. I don't buy for nobody now. I pull up in the car and be like, buy for my thing. Be like, you ain't buying for this? You want something? <laughs> buying gas on a credit card. Why is $50 taken every month to pay off? Because <laughs> they didn't tell you about interest. They didn't tell you. Nobody ever taught you. Buying a house is probably better than renting. That the same money you pay for rent every month, you could be owning your own. Nobody ever taught me that. I'm, I'm telling you, my life has been by the great, when I say it's the grace of God. Because I was uneducated about money. I bought my first house at 24 off of the grace of God and a little bit of pride. What I mean by that was the real estate agent told me, you look broke. He didn't say those words, but when we went in to buy a house, he looked at me and he said, that boy with the braids looked like a renter. I said, I look like a what? I do not have the profile of a renter. This is homeownership at its finest. I fix boilers. This is the tough crowd, man. I be trying, Lord. I be trying, Lord. The point I'm trying to make is when he said that, I said, no, my God is bigger than anything. I bought a house by the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you've ever watched me preach, I'm not going to get into all the details. You know the story. And the Lord opened the door for me at a young age. But it wasn't until I got the house that I really begun to understand. Whoa, <laughs> I, did, I never said that. <laughs> I never once said that. Never regretted it. Because when I was ready to move out that house and I wanted the house that was better, more comfortable, practically the house that I don't think I ever need, need to move out of. I'm, I'm good where I'm at now. It was because I paid a mortgage every month and I realized, oh, that money is mine. <laughs> Belongs to me. So I was able to sell my house and make money and go buy another one. If I was renting, I wouldn't have had anything. Come on, somebody. And I trusted God. Man, y'all ain't saying nothing to me in this place, man. We were never taught how money works. Look at this. Look at what the book of Luke chapter 14, 28 says. For which of you, desiring to build a tower, does not first sit down and count the cost? Many people don't do that. They, they, we build and then look at the cost. We buy the shoe and then wonder if we got enough. And all the ladies say. We got to get our nails done every week. <laughs> Pastor, you don't understand. It's part of me. Wear a glove. <laughs> Mike did it. Every week I got to get new hair in there. 
and I just can't get any. It's got to come from South America. You ain't going to say nothing to me. All right, so fellas, I ain't going to leave you alone. You really need Jordans? Take me on off. I can't preach to them. I mean, $1,000 for sneakers now? That's where $1,000 for shoes? I don't know why y'all laughing and carrying on. I just said $1,000 for shoes. Listen, if you can afford it, I'm not in your business. I'm talking to those who don't have rent money and you buying some new Jordans. I'm not saying if you got it like this and if you worked hard and you got it like that and you know you're a person who is taking care of God's work and taking care of charity and, and, and you want to at times treat yourself, there is nothing wrong. There's nothing in the Bible that's against that. I'm not saying anything wrong. You want to go on a nice vacation with your family? You work hard? I believe you should play hard. But I'm talking to those. <laughs> who is constantly saying, I ain't been on a vacation in 10 years. And my family, we crazy. Because you, your nails are done every week. Y'all ain't going to say nothing to me. Do you really need to eat out every day? I mean, it's $13 a plate every time. McDonald's, I'd be pulling up for nuggets for the kids. I'd be like, man, y'all better bring that three bundle down out. They'd be talking about, but we want the Happy Meal for what? That toy's trash. $3 bundle. You want a toy? Let's go outside and play. You know, all y'all hate them, them video games. I'm like, what game you want? you want? Whatever toy they got, they got in a video game. It's on Roblox somewhere. Y'all praying for me? <laughs> Probably like one person watching at this point. <laughs> gonna be like next week. Bring back Sherry. <laughs> Where y'all find this man from? <laughs> Amen. The Bible says, if you want to build something, won't you count the cost first? Because in the middle of it, you're going to build and realize, I don't have enough to finish the job. you got to count the cost of everything you do. And let me tell you something about those of you who dream. Don't just make a product because you dreamed it. Make sure it's going to have at least a projection of success. Because then all you do, like I was a musician for years, and after a while, I had to stop telling my wife how great I was because greatness don't pay bills. She wanted to see that at some point them bars is going to pay a light bill because you're using an awfully lot of light bill <laughs> to record those songs. So you know what I did? I took my two songs and put them on CD. I didn't wait for thousands of dollars to press it up in the artwork. I stood in front of New Life Christian Bookstore and started handing it out to people. And one man called me and said, come do a concert. I said, sure, I'll do one or two songs. He said, no, I'll pay you to do a full hour set. I said, and that was it. From then on, I was selling CDs. I, I was Master P before there was Master P. I was bout it, bout it. Come on, say na 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 na. Come on, man. <laughs> Amen. 
You can't be producing stuff that ain't producing. Because then it ain't got no fruit. You got to go back to the drawing board and be honest with yourself. I might be trash. This might not be my calling. And don't come and give me that story they're going to realize long after I'm gone like Van Gogh. <laughs> Sister Sherry, get off the stage. Number two reason why we're probably in debt. We are in rebellion. We know how money works. But we're going to do what we want to do anyway. I ain't got to spend too long on that point. If you can't say amen, say ouch. Number three, greed. We are materialistic. You find your identity in stuff. The reason I always have to buy what I can't afford is because if I don't wear, I don't feel like I'm worth anything. You ever see how millionaires come out and address the audience? Y'all remember Steve Jobs? Y'all ever see Zuckerberg? I mean, now he wears suits because he's always going to Congress. <laughs> For reasons we will not discuss in the church. But before he always had to go to Congress. Y'all ever see how these dudes dress? One day Kanye came out on a, a talk show and talked about his purple hoodie that he's wearing. And he said it's like $10, even though he charged $100 for his hoodie. Love you, bro, Kanye. And he was wearing a big gold chain. Somebody said, well, why you got a big gold chain? Because people don't understand that gold don't lose its value. You look at the market. Everything crashes and gold's still like, we here, dog. We ain't going nowhere. We gold. We are gold for a reason. We were gold before y'all came, and we will be gold. Matter of fact, we used to back your money. Now y'all got a government printing it that y'all hope. And it can't. <laughs> Y'all living on inflation. I say nothing to me. Y'all ain't saying nothing to me. We're materialistic. You find your value in your car. You find your value. You, you, listen, you need a car to get to work. Does it have to be that brand if you can't afford it? But the salesman said it's a deal. But your pocket said you're not smart. Do you follow what I'm saying? Amen, somebody. And it's because we find our value in these things. Let me tell you this. The Bible says a man is not the, the known for the amount of his possessions. He is not his possessions. You are not what you own. You can't even take that with you when you die. Those things at points don't even matter in your life. When, when those moments and storms come, the, you know, at least I got a nice car. Nobody ever says that when, they, when, they, when, when sickness hit them. At least, at least I got a top-of-the-line couch. You're looking at the couch like... Y'all hear where I'm coming from? You, your value's not in what you own. Don't you ever walk around and feel lesser than than anybody because you don't have what they have. Don't you ever walk into a room and feel that somebody who has more stuff than you is better than you. You are... Everybody got to go through the blood. That's number one. Second thing, that's, that's, that's how God sets it. I don't care who you are, what your status is, you got to come through the blood. And all of you, every one of us in here, Jesus said this about money. Whose image is on the coin? Then render to them what belongs to them. But what we miss from that revelation is whose image is on you? You're an image bearer. You bear the image of the almighty God. Your value is not backed by a government. It's backed by the one whose image you bear. Now render unto him what belongs to him. You belong to him. Come on, somebody. Come on, type that in the chat room. I'm an image bearer. Hallelujah. Lastly, poor planning. I'm going to get y'all out of here in 10 minutes. 
You don't mean that. You don't. You don't. <laughs> Poor planning, budgeting. We don't know the numbers. Some of you know all of this stuff, but you refuse to know your numbers. Some of us never learn how taxes work. We just get a W-2 and that's it. That's, that's, that's all taxes. You don't even understand. Like, sit and have a conversation with your tax guy. Say, break down how taxes really work for me. What else can I save on? What else should I be doing? Should I open a business in my own name for all the stuff I spend to try to? Some of you are trying to work small businesses right now. You have nothing to take it to the tax guy with. Learn how money works. Learn your numbers. I remember I, I, one year, my first year trying to do my taxes on my own, I had to sit down and comb through all of my numbers. I said, man, that's a lot of uh, restaurant food. Y'all ain't going to say nothing to me. Some of us refuse to know our numbers. We just get money, spend money. And so a lot of us think our problem is we got to make more money. Let me tell you this. It's not that you, in some cases, people need to make more money. Yes, you do. I understand. Your income just don't cut it. But in most cases, you don't really need to make more money. You just need to learn how to operate the money that's coming in your hands. You need to learn how to keep the money that's coming in your hands. Amen, somebody. Amen. We're going to switch gear a little bit. So hopefully those four things motivated somebody this year to change their financial status. Why? Because the four things that affect your life, this is one of them. And if you can handle this, you can put yourself in a better place in life. Y'all ain't saying nothing to me. Thank you, Silas, Dr. King Jr. Listen to this, y'all. Proverbs 21.5 says, The plans of the diligent lead to profit, as surely as haste leads to poverty. I look at my sister as an example. My sister in the middle of the pandemic started selling masks. So where's she going with this little mask business here? Next, I wake up one morning and see on Yahoo Finance. I said, wait, wait, Yahoo, that's, this is big money. I started befriending my sister like never before. It ain't working, though. It ain't. I said, Stacey, you know I love you. Know, you know me. You was always close out of all the siblings. You know me, you. I'm not saying she is wealthy. I, I, I don't think that's the situation. But she started a business by looking at an opportunity to serve. Everybody need masks? I'm going to stay home and sew a mask. And God gave her a business. What's in your wallet? I mean your hands. <laughs> Too much TV. What's in your hands? God is not going to bless what is not in your hands. He asked Moses. Moses says, I can't lead your people. I can't do nothing. He said, come, what's in your hand? He dropped the staff. Watch this, y'all, for my Bible lovers. He dropped the staff, and it turned into what? It scared him. Moses jumped back. When you allow what's in your hands to go in God's hands, it will scare you what God can do. Then he went back to Moses and said, pick up what's scaring you. I'm... Not And that's what he used when he came to the sea. And from that day, it was no longer a staff. It was the rod of God. You read in the Bible. Hallelujah. Before you could get, never mind. Diligent, working hard, not quitting. It leads to profit. As surely as laziness, as making haste, as watching Facebook for six hours, your screen time will confirm that. Will lead to poverty. Don't spend your life watching other people's life. 
Deuteronomy 8.18. But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you not wealth. What does he give you? Too many church people here, too many testimonies of I open a check in the mail. That may not <laughs> happen for you. It might, because God is good. But for the majority of people, I have not heard every testimony I open a check and there was a check in the mail. It don't rain down. He gives you the ability to produce wealth. And so confirms his covenant, which he swore to your ancestors as it is today. Now, here's the point. The children of Israel were so blessed now. They came into their own home that God knew that one of the biggest threats to your relationship with him is success. And that's why America is where it is. It's become godless because it's comfortable. But God is shaking it. There's a shaking happening in this land and people are beginning to get hungry for God because it don't matter how much stimulus check you get, it ain't helping the situation. People want their mind back. They want to be able to go see a friend. They want to be able to come to a concert and sing and come to their church. People realize that the things they had right in front of them that they took for granted was what God gave you and it was a blessing all along. But you kept chasing something that is being thrown at you now. There's a shaking. And this is God said, I want you all to remember the Lord. Because everything you will ever get in life, he gives you a mind. He gives you the ideas. He gives you the ability. He gives you the capability and the courage to go after it. It is him. So when you get your stuff, don't forget who God is. I'm tired of, y'all going to hate me now and this is why I'll never ever probably blow up. I'm tired of believers who blew up here and then when they got there, they, all of a sudden on this level, you know you can't really talk about God too much, but I, but I be showing them in my lifestyle. Shut up. That was me venting, forgive me. I'm tired of people using the church to gain wealth and then when they get to the top they don't never speak on behalf of the church and then when they wealth dissipates then they come back and they apologize they become more spiritual and become a, a, a ruler on spiritual authority again you broke you trying to get us to come to your tour cut it out you want us to see your movie now I'm venting this is why I never get invited because on that level, you don't talk like this. I'm looking to see if y'all still here. <laughs> Proverbs 3.9. I'm going somewhere with this. The Bible says, honor the Lord with your substance and with the first fruits of all thine increase. Or in another way, it says, with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your crops. Now, this is in the book of Proverbs. Because there's so many people nowadays that don't want to be somebody who has a, a generous heart. And so they use all types of scriptures on why they shouldn't be generous. And listen, those that even tithe and give, you can tithe and give and still be stingy. Some people make sure, tithing is just a bill to some people. They give no more, no less. It's just a paycheck now. A generous heart is a generous heart. It's different from just fulfilling a ritual and the Lord says here to honor him with your wealth and so many the reason why I'm pointing out that this is in Proverbs is so many people will find scriptures to tell you that you shouldn't give anymore according to the Bible Proverbs is not a law book this is a principle book and here's a principle found in Proverbs if you honor the Lord with your first fruits of all your crops hallelujah and your wealth it is something that he's telling you to do now, why? Here's, here's, here's uh, uh, what happens when I give and I, and I have a generous heart. And I'm not just telling you this to church. 
But just having a generous heart. What happens when I give? What happens when I put God's principles first? Because in addition to knowing how money works and knowing all that debt stuff, you got to have a, a heart that is generous. Because he gives seed to the sower, not to the stingy. And when you get all that money, if money only makes you more of what you are. So if you were never generous, why should God give you anything so you could be more stingy? If you use money for evil, why should God give you more so you could do more evil? You want God on a low level to make your heart generous. Listen, this is what happens when I give to God. Number one, I am learning to trust God. I am saying to God that I realize it is him that is my source and everything else is a resource. Everything else is the mailman. When Brother Vince sends me a check this week, I'm going to run out and call Vince. I'm not running after the mailman. The mailman was just the carrier of the check. The source was Brother Vince. I I'm going to be looking at I'm joking. <laughs> Y'all hear what I'm saying? God is my source. I am thankful for the vessel he's used, but my thanksgiving is on to God. Your job is a resource. It is God who gives you that check every week. The pandemic taught you that you could have lost that job. And that job thought it was so had such a stronghold over you now that the pandemic reversed it. People ain't coming back now. Now the jobs are like, oh. Restaurants are going, everybody going, like, oh, we need workers. We need workers. Nothing is, God is your source. And I learned that God is to be trusted. And so when I give to God, I take the first fruits. Notice the word, the first. I don't wait until it is finished, then decide what's left. Because it's not faith when you decide what's left. When you take the first, it's worship to God that you say automatically, I trust you. I trust you that you can stretch this out just like you did with the five loaves and two fish. I trust that the cattle on a thousand hills belong to you. I trust that you own everything and so my first belongs to you. That was the difference, I believe, between Abel and Cain's sacrifice. One required a life. While the other, he got, he, he got a feel full of it. You're not getting that one back. I leave that alone. I learn how to trust God when I give. I trust God. I trust God that he's my source and everything else is a resource. I knew I was going to get quiet. I knew online was going to disappear once I get to this part. Listen to this. Number two, I break the stronghold of materialism off my life. When I find a better place to put my money other than in material things that can benefit humanity, I now find my value in what God has made me to do, to serve, not to just consume, but to give back. That's why the Bible says it is better to give than receive. I break the stronghold of materialism. You know how many people hold on to what they should release into God's hand or release and bless a brother or sister with just because I got to get this new whatever. And if I bless them, I wouldn't get it. Not many people are walking around with stolen shoes. That was money you were supposed to give and bless somebody with. But you bought some shoes with it. Ah, y'all ain't going to say nothing to me. Number three, and we done after this one. I am honoring the Bible. In return, I am storing up treasures in heaven. Souls are being saved. Don't use people and serve money. Do you follow that? Don't use people and worship money. Use money and save people. Use money and bless people. Never let money be your God. 
That's why the Bible says the love of it is the root of all kinds of evil. Now, now in this church, we believe, I believe, in tithing. Now, there are many that will argue and send me a million scriptures on why you shouldn't give or tithe to the church or give to God. Can I just walk you through why I believe in tithing real quick? Now, they'll say the argument is tithing is law and God abolished the law and we're under grace. True. Now you should give more. Because under law, you were going to die. Under grace, you're given life. So which time you think you owe more? That's number one. But I believe that the Bible honors the, 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 the if you, if most people, if they want to know, well, if I want to give unto God, where should I start? I believe these numbers are clear in the Bible as a base. I'm not telling you it's a law or a principle or you're under a curse. But I'm going to tell you, if you want to know how can I start honoring God, this is one way, right? I want to take you to a scripture that is very interesting that is found, hallelujah, in the book of Genesis. If you would jump with me to the book of Genesis, I believe it's chapter 12. Throw it up for me. Amen. Genesis 14, 18, sorry. It says, Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was a priest of God. Go on. Do we have a, the other one? 19? I'll pull it up here if you don't have it. No? Genesis 14, 19? There it is. He says, uh, And he blessed Abraham, saying, Blessed be Abraham by the Most High God, creator of heaven and earth. Go on, read the rest. We'll go on. You got it, right? And praise be to God, the Most High, who delivered your enemies. This is what Melchizedek said to him. Blessed be you, Abraham, the God who has delivered your enemies into your hand. Melchizedek honored. He told Abraham, the reason you got the victory was because of God and not yourself. Right? Uh, then Abraham gave him a tenth. Then Abraham did what? Now, for time's sake, you can stop right there. I want to show you all this. This was before the law was ever given. Don't really say nothing to me in this house. This was before the law was ever given. And many people try to explain this. You read a million commentaries and they all say the reason he gave a tenth for many reasons. They'll say because it was probably a rule back then that you should this. It's probably because of uh, this, that. But I believe it says it right here. Why? Because what's happening in this story is, just some context, Sodom is in trouble. Somebody comes to Lot and say, your nephew Lot, come to Abraham and said, your nephew Lot has been captured. And... Uh, so Abraham gathers about 300 plus men and said, let's go to war. He goes and he fights the men who did this to Sodom. He captures Lot and all the spoils. When he comes back into the valley of the kings, the king of Sodom comes out to meet him. And there appears the one and only time a man by the name of Melchizedek appears. Very few scriptures written here about him. That's it. And in the book of Hebrews chapter 7 that talks about who he is and that how he is a Christ is according to his ancestry. It's, and it talks about tithing and how Abraham gave to him. And the lesser is always blessed by the greater. But Abraham was giving, but he was the one being blessed. So if the lesser is blessed by the greater, the tenth was nothing compared to the blessing Melchizedek was giving to Y'all ain't going to say nothing to me about all of that. But, but, but that's where he was going with that. And then he said, and, and now we have a new priest under grace, Jesus. So while uh, uh, one tithe to, to, to Melchizedek, now you have Jesus. Now, Hebrews never touched on tithe or cared about tithing from that point on. It was trying to make the point that we have a new high priest under the order of Melchizedek that was never chosen, that never came from Levitical law, that never came just like Melchizedek showed up with no beginning, no, no ending. Jesus, oh gosh, I feel like going there. Showed up with no beginning and no ending, and then it left you there hanging with tithe. But we know all through the Bible it says it's good to give and not to receive. It's better to, and then you get to this Melchizedek guy story and he comes and Abraham brings Lot back and brings all the spoils back. Melchizedek shows up and he brings bread and wine and he feeds all of Abraham's people. And then in the midst of it, he says, it was God 
who did this for you, Abraham. And the Bible says the next verse, Abraham pulled a number that we ain't seen nowhere out of thin air. He gave him a 10. Do y'all see that? Now, people will try to explain this to you all day and give you a million explanations. All I know is this number was the number. Then when Sodom's king said, we just want the people back, Abraham, I'll let you keep the spoils. First of all, Abraham had all rights to the spoils because at this point, you're a powerless king. That's number one. Abraham turned to Sodom, king, because he never said God did this to you or who's your God or any mention of God. You know what he said? Give us the people. I'll let you keep the spoils. Who do you think you are that you have the ability to give me wealth? Y'all see the posture in the two. And so Abraham turned to him and said, you can take all the people and all the spoils because one thing you will never ever do on planet Earth is say that I was made rich because of the king of Sodom. But he gave a 10. This thing happened again with Jacob. Jacob is by, Jacob is on the run right now. He's a schemer. He's a hustler. I, I believe this was like Jacob's salvation moment. Because everything he had done beyond before this, he was bad. It was like, he stole, some of you wondering, God, can I steal your blessing like Jacob did? Can I just, like, steal a favor? He stole everything. And then he went to sleep and he's on the run, put a, a hard pillow as a rock, and then got the vision with the ladder coming on. And then God said, if you follow me, I'm going to be with you. I'm going to protect you. I'm, a I'm your God. I'm the God of your ancestors. I will be with you. He woke up. He called the place Bethel, the house of God. And the Bible says, and he said, God, if you keep your word and do all this, everything I will ever own, I will give you a 10. Where did that come from? Then when the Levitical law comes and established, guess which number God choose? Then when the church was done away with, and we under grace now, you're not it's not compulsory for you to give anything. You could be as stingy as you want and never honor God with your wealth. That's fine. But the Bible says that even on the first day of, of some of the Sundays, Paul tell them, set aside a sum in keeping with your income. You don't believe me? Look, it's right there in the book of Corinthians. It's right there. Amen. Hallelujah. Y'all still with me? Did I lose y'all? You see my Corinthian scripture? There it is. Faster than me. On the first day of every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income, saving it up so that when I come for the collections, it will have to be made. Now, this is not an offering trying to get anything. I'm not going to ask you for no thousand dollars or nothing. Do whatever you want with your money. But if I'm going to preach what the Bible says about money, I got to tell you that the Bible says to honor God with your wealth. I'm done, y'all. I'm done. This is why, and if I could go through a lot of other scriptures, I don't teach, you know, it's a law for you to have to give 10. But I believe if I'm looking for a number according to the Bible where to start, That's what I believe. You can fight me. I ain't going to show up to the fight. But that's where I am. Now, that takes a long time because the truth is you got so many people trying to teach the people of God not to be generous anymore. And I believe that that's why you see the world the way it is. That's why we've got so many people struggling. Sometimes we're in congregations that we have the answer to each other's problems, but because we're not generous, we never even look over at a brother or sister to find out, how you doing, man? Y'all ain't saying nothing to me. We're so consumed about chasing this money that our hearts become callous to why God would even give it to us in the first place. And a lot of times, that chase is affecting your stress level, your mental health, 
your family, you're losing. You're losing so much time with them that you'll never get back. I never understand men who work and work and work and work and work. And you say, why are you working so hard for my family? I understand the concept, but at some point, you got to take some time off to be with the family that you're working hard for. Because before you blink your eyes, they're not going to know who you are. And their testimony of you is you were never there. You just bought me PlayStations and nice stuff, but you were never there. So while you're working so hard, know what the Bible says about money. You definitely don't want to be somebody in debt, and you don't want to be somebody who gains, but you're not generous. Live a balanced life, and God will bless you, and he will open doors for you, and God will keep you. Remember those four things, y'all. Your relationship with God, your relationship with people, your health, and your finances. I know I delved into money. Y'all probably want me to touch more on the others. But if you come all year in 2022, at some point, I'll touch on one of the others. Amen. I pray you were blessed this morning. Let's bow our heads and close.